Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Your daily encouragement that God has the world in the hollow of his hand. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Peter Kapsner filling in for today. This is hour two on the 16th of June. And boy, it sure was an interesting previous hour, especially with Ruth Kramer talking about some of the headlines impacting fellow believers globally. You'll want to catch that at MyFaithRadio.com. If you're just getting up now and starting to listen, it was a certainly an engaging conversation with her as it always is. Well, turning our attention to a few of some of the interesting headlines that have come out this morning. You and mean we apart from fudge? Well, apart from fudge, and I'm sure we'll continue to talk about fudge and see if we can convert you to the light, Paul, later no. this morning. But uh, but in the midst of it, there we, we had some guests on earlier this week talking about paying attention to who got elected president of the Southern Baptist Convention this week. Obviously, the SBC has been in the headlines in terms of some of the revelations from theologian Russell Moore as he was leaving the SBC, mm-hmm. that there was corruption at some of the highest levels. There were some of the horrific headlines of sexual abuse. There's other things that were happening in terms of how people were being treated, and there's a lot of back and forth in that. And so believers were noting with interest, because they do wield quite a bit of Christian authority um, in churches and in our country, the, this organization does, the Southern Baptist Convention. We have a lot of guests on this program yep. that participate in that as well, who the next president would be. And it sounds like they uh, elected somebody, uh, Pastor Ed Litton, who is maybe moderate in his views, but not necessarily moderate from a Christian standpoint, but moderate from a political standpoint. Or what, what do we see in some of this? Because I think he was running against a very conservative, ultra conservative was the description uh, of a pastor named Mike Stone. What right. do we see in the future of some of this? I, that's a good question. It really remains to be seen because it was a pretty close vote. And so how this all plays out, I mean, yes, he's going to be the president for I, I forget how long I think it's like a year or two or whatever they do yeah. he'll he'll be that president but I'm sure the the inner turmoil will still be there but again addressing the issues like you said said about uh, the sexual abuse scandals that have happened within the Southern Baptist plus they're still wrestling through how to handle a critical race theory or actually underneath that yeah. is dealing with racial ethnic harmony within the church and uh, within that denomination, and that's still up in the air. So. Yeah, there's a lot of great thinkers and, and, and leaders and shepherds that come from that organization, even mm-hmm. though it also clearly was it had some corruption and some really difficult yeah. things that we need to work through. So it'd be noting with interest how they facilitate some of those conversations moving forward now with the new president. We also see from the category and, and the continuing category that politics and religion make strange bedfellows, and not often should they be working uh, together we see that uh, Catholic people are increasingly <clears throat> confused, I suppose. 83% say that they are confused at the idea that um, the leaders of the Catholic Church could go ahead and serve communion to politicians who are advocating for abortion. And I think that's going to continue to be in the headlines moving forward about this inconsistency 
uh, of what is pretty clear religious doctrine and dogma within the Catholic Church to be pro-life, that, that mm-hmm. abortion on any level is considered inconsistent with the kingdom, and yet you have politicians who are advocating for policies uh, with that. I, we seem to be increasingly in a time, both in the Protestant Church and in the Catholic Church, recognizing that maybe we need to not be so involved in the political sphere as the best way of wielding power and influence and persuasion and conversion, that that as the people of faith, that we're called to just shine the light independent of some of those kinds of mechanisms of power. We, when we talked to uh, David Coises, uh, Coises, yes, yeah, you, thank you. When we talked to him in the first hour, I mean, he was kind of bringing up that fact that okay, it's not that being involved politically is wrong, but if you're putting all your eggs in, in that, that basket, basket or too many eggs in that basket, you're going to come up disappointed because the power of the church is beyond that. Yeah, lots of headlines interesting to watch, and uh, we're going to take a short break, and we'll have Bill English join the conversation as we talk about some of the headlines from a labor standpoint. But before we do, Bill, uh, one more shot at trying to settle the dispute between Paul and I related to National Fudge Day. Some of the listeners have been chiming in as well. I have been suggesting that that fudge functions a bit like sin and that it looks good from the outside, but as soon as you eat of it, uh, you, you regret it on just about every kind of level. Bill, where do you fall in this, this conversation on fudge? Yeah, actually, I think once you eat it, you really enjoy it. It's only a day or two later when you realize you shouldn't have ate it. But the, the whole idea of it immediately, you know, creating a discon- or, or, or dissonance inside of you. No, 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 no. Listeners, no. I really do need your help this morning. I'm surrounded by heathens on all sides. If you can text in studio and, and help settle this at 877-933-2484. Bill, great to see you. Looking forward to after the break, we'll jump into some of these headlines that are impacting us as a country in terms of the labor market. Welcome back to the show here at about 11 minutes past the top of the hour on the 16th of June. It is Wednesday morning, and that means that uh, Bill English from BibleandBusiness.com is joining us. Bill and I have been friends for a long time. Glad for the work that you do and the unique niche that you have on behalf of the kingdom in terms of talking about stewardship and economics and finances in light of being believers and Christian business leaders. Yeah, thank you. I, I enjoy this niche. It's a call. It so is a call. It, it absolutely is a call. Is a call. Well, so. I'd be curious your perspective on what you're seeing within the labor market of the United States of America. We see some jobs reports comes out every month, and uh, and it's been interesting, kind of an uneven, uh, uneven recovery at best. Uh, what are you seeing in some of the headlines here, Bill? Well, what I see in the headlines is that the polarized political thinking across... I, I read, I don't know, half a dozen, eight maybe articles for prep for this spot. And and if you're a conservative, you're saying that the government is is uh, paying people to not work. Mm-hmm. If you're a liberal, you're saying that, that the employers are not offering good enough jobs at high enough wages to pull people off the bench and get them back into the workforce. I look at this and I say that there's an element here that no one's talking about. And the element is this. The pandemic has put people in a position where they have time to sit back and reflect on their lives. And I think of those nine or 10 million who are unemployed, uh, I think a large swath of them are just kind of doing an overall assessment of their lives. And they're saying, is what I was doing a year or two years or three years ago, is that what I really want to do? Does it really reflect who I want to be as a person? Does it really reflect my, my core values and beliefs? Are these causes? Do I really want to support them anymore? And people are doing these major life evaluations. And before they get back into the job market, I think they're really taking their time to 
to think about that. Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective, Bill, because I think we get on these treadmills or these hamster wheels, and, and even for for some good intentions, we just want to maybe build a career or provide for our families or, or be able to steward things on behalf of the kingdom. But sometimes, unknowingly, we get caught up, and we keep just spinning this wheel. I was with a friend of mine last night at my son's Little League game, and he was a very high-up senior vice president, I think, level at a, at a multi-billion dollar company and he was unceremoniously let go last year in in March and had to kind of fight back and forth to get his retirement package and he did and he was successful but um, this is a person who gave a lot of his time and his energy and 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 his gifts and his talents to an organization for a very extended period of time a lot of hours a lot of stress and now seeing him and I've known him for a lot of different years he 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 feels like an almost entirely different person as hard as that was he's able to take stock in a different kind of way because he was off the hamster wheel and he's he has space to ask different kinds of questions and I think that's what you're talking about is that this has given us space to wonder huh do I want to keep spinning that wheel or are there different ways to do this? Yeah, and for the Christians who are part of this 9 or 10 million who are unemployed, they're probably asking, God, what is really next for me? Yeah, is Are the skills that I had in my previous career, are they transferable into some kind of a ministry or some kind of a different um, uh, a business? And I, there's probably a large swath of them who are going to be starting their own businesses. We know that roughly 30% of those who get laid off end up becoming entrepreneurs and starting their own businesses. So there, there's, there's that aspect. I, I look at this and I think um, two things. Number one, uh, I, I believe the Axios article that, that we didn't have this in our prep, Sheep, but the Axios article that said um, in the next 12 months, about 25% of America's employees are going to switch employers. Okay. But number two, this is gripe opportunity for the church to pick up some really seriously good talent if they can tap into their life purpose and God's call for them. This is an opportunity for churches to say, man, we've got people with all kinds of skills. They're looking for work. Maybe they would consider ministry. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting point, Bill, because the, the next generation, probably the way of doing church is going to look different for a variety of reasons. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. We're not talking about the death of the church. We are maybe talking about the fact that this version of the church that we've all sort of lived in, if we're 40, 50, 60, 70 years old for a long time, that that expression of it seems to definitely be changing. And what we really do need are some people that have the creativity, the entrepreneurial sort of skills to say, it may not look like this, but we can remain faithful to God's kingdom, even if it expresses itself differently. What an opportunity. Yeah, it really is. And for those churches that are primarily Sunday morning driven, those churches are going to die, I think. The churches that are externally driven, that are missional driven for one or more causes that that are infused by the gospel of Jesus Christ, those are the ones that are really going to grow. And they're also going to grow if they stay true uh, to the word of God. Those, Those who are watering down the word of God, you know, you mentioned in, in your walk up the uh, the Catholic Church. Are we going to give communion to those who yeah. advocate for abortions? Uh, those kinds of tensions are going to continue to exist, uh, but the ones who stay true to God's word are the ones that are going to grow. Yeah, I think one of my favorite statistics that's come out over the last ten years or so is that as churches have felt this pressure to be what in their minds is is relevant to society, they often begin to compromise some different moral stances. And they may be, not only that, even in subtle ways, they stray from teaching God's word as a primary form of discipleship in favor of maybe 15 or 16 or 17 minute sermons that are kind of funny. And maybe they have some interesting stories and almost some moral tips that you would maybe get from a fortune cookie, dare dare I say. And and, in the attempt to, uh, to draw people in, sometimes we've overly watered things down. And what's interesting to note about that is the churches that are still thriving right now today, 
the one characteristic that they seem to share is that they're digging in deeply into God's word and they're faithfully presenting that word. And so I do think we see something in that moving forward, regardless of how church is expressed. You know, in order for us to be salt and light, especially the salt part, we have to be a retardant against Mm. that which is um, decaying, right? And you're not going to do that through a lot of humor and jokes and other things. You have to be willing to take some arrows if you're going to lead in the effort to bring bring our culture really back to Christ. Uh, Not that it was ever really for Christ for for, for many decades here now, uh, but um, being relevant isn't the same thing as being liked. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Bill. Great stuff. Relevance is that the power of sin and death has been broken in every possible form. That is always relevant. So thanks for the insight. We'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll turn ourselves back to the labor market for a bit and see what we see in the coming, what is called the sandsdemic, where we're going to see pretty significant shifts in the labor market and how that's going to impact us. So if you have some questions for Bill or me this morning on some of these subjects, you can definitely text in the studio at 877-933-2484. Many of you have been doing just that, and I am afraid... I might have to end up changing my position, practicing the intellectual humility that I often preach on the nature of fudge. We'll see what happens here over the next 10 minutes or so. Intellectual humility. Well, I, I know well, that that surprises you. Yeah. You, should, you should take that carving up into a spot there, Paul. I know. Well, intellectual I, humility. I'll try to practice that in the next 90 seconds or so, and we'll come back with more with Bill English. I've got a perfect puzzle for you. Oh, dear. I don't know about all of you listening this morning, but I absolutely hate practicing what I preach. And I have been uh, preaching intellectual humility here through about the last 24 hours on these shows. And all of you texting in, uh, it seems like I am on the wrong side of this conversation. David texting in, I vote yes on fudge. Mary texting in, no regrets ever, capital letters ever when it comes to fudge, exclamation point. Lois texting in, there's nothing wrong with fudge as long as you don't overdo it. Rosella uh, suggesting that maybe I just need her homemade fudge. I'm going to have to keep thinking about this, but this this I, this is where I have to practice what I preach and perhaps change my position and be willing to enter into another person's journey on fudge. Okay, but so 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 change the conversation a little bit. What about cinnamon rolls with white icing? You know, See, the, you know the kind that you get in that tube that you make in the oven. Those things. <laughs> oh, that, now that, those yeah, things yeah. are just heart attack. At, at the pills. risk of devolving the show further than it already has been devolved, <laughs> I would suggest that I've show. never regretted a cinnamon roll. So maybe I do have to take stock of my own <laughs> positions on these things. Well, Bill, there's been some interesting headlines coming out in the labor market, and before we get to that, one headline that came out recently too is that we saw maybe the highest increase in the PPI or the pre- uh, it's the price indexes in terms of producer price. Index. Thank you. That's the phrase I'm looking for in terms yeah. of uh, inflation happening in our country. And I think at least for me in my own business, I'm seeing some of these pressures that will make their way into the pipelines to get goods from overseas right now. You usually would put them in a 40 foot container and they get delivered to your door. And that might cost you somewhere in the neighborhood of $6,000 to get 150, 200 widgets from one country to another. That same container now is uh, upwards of 17 to $20,000 yeah. to get that. So you're talking about a triple <clears throat> in just the transportation cost to begin with. And yet, um, we don't see that maybe pass through, but I would suggest for just our listeners today to be looking towards the fall and the holiday season, and and we need to be good stewards of our money anyway. But I think at this point in time, we're going to see probably some pretty significant price increases beyond what we've already seen. I'm hearing 10, 15, 20% yeah. on a lot of different things, and I've noticed that even going to the grocery store that <clears> milk <throat> and cream and things are already up, and it sure looks like it's going to get worse. Yeah, it does. And, and look, I've been saying for a long time that we have, look, um, too many thoughts in my head. First <laughs> of all, 
um, between Trump and Biden and and the and the two governments, we have basically recapitalized America. Uh, right. And, and in and in many segments, they didn't need to be recapitalized. We've just pumped a ton of money into this in, into this economy in the last twelve to eighteen months. So we have a lot more dollars chasing the same goods and actually changing fewer services because a number of businesses haven't reopened. So just basic economics 101, this is not hard stuff. When you have more dollars chasing fewer goods or the same amount of goods and services, prices are going to go up. Um, you talk about the, the container going from 6000 to, say, $20,000. I'm hearing that <clears throat> from a lot of people who source out of Asia. What that will do is spur on domestic uh, manufacturing, right. because guys like you are going to say, "Wait a minute, I might actually be able to get my widgets instead of sourcing them out of Vietnam or, or wherever it is you you source them. Uh, you might say I can get them out of North Carolina, or I can get them out of uh, you know Duluth, Minnesota, or you know wherever it is in the United States, and I can get them either at the same cost or cheaper costs. So I'm going to I'm going to rework my supply chain uh, to be more domesticated." Um, that those waters will settle over the next few years. Yeah. Uh, but I see, um, I see more manufacturing coming back to the United States in part because Asia has become so expensive. Yeah. We certainly have explored those. We send out products to quote to both <clears throat> domestic now oh, and I'm overseas sure. and the Delta between the two has definitely shifted. And for me, having grown up as, um, in, in a manufacturing center where I was just filled with oil and grease and working these machines all the way through, it's really delightful because there's a lot of really, really good people that are working really, really hard jobs in some of these circumstances that produce wonderful products for us that we can be grateful for, for them as well. Well, Bill, one more topic we can get to briefly, and that is that there is a demographic shift that's happening, and there's also a, an impact on the labor market associated with that. We've touched on it a little bit already, but what do we see for the future of the labor market? Because it seems like we're going to have fewer people that we could be in line for more jobs, and, and that might change some things in our country moving forward. I'm not sure what that all looks like, but tell us a little bit about you know, this sandemic <clears throat> that is coming. The, 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 here's how I think about it. Uh, there's about 75 million uh, baby boomers, but the next generation, if I remember right, is the Gen Xers. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. And there was only 37,000 or 37 million of them. Yep. So there's this big there's there's this big delta. Take that plus the fact that there's a significant geographic migration out of the Midwest into the coasts. Yep. Right. E- either coast or towards the south. And so you're going to find that that economies in in the Midwest are going to suffer over time, while the economies in the, on the coasts in the south are going to do better, presumably. But if you have a number of people moving who don't want to work. Uh, then, then maybe the Midwest actually fares better. I don't really know how the sandemic is going to play out yet. Yeah, it really is a difference. But we also see that businesses are trying to raise their wages to try to entice well, even to. young people in the marketplace. And I, I even watch my own kids, my 21-year-old and 19-year-old, and the kind of wages that they're willing to hold out for because their kinds of jobs are in such high demand. I mean, it wasn't long ago that these were seven, eight, and $9 an hour jobs. And now 15 is maybe gets you in the door. And, and that's yeah. also going to have some inflationary pressures on products because businesses will pass that labor cost along. Well, if they can, right? Right, if they can. So I run a healthcare company, 700 employees, 350 nurses. What we're seeing is the upward pressure on nursing wages, but the reimbursement rates from the state for what we do 
are not changing. Right. And so what one of the one of the bad effects of this is that uh, there's going to be health care shortages because there's not going to be enough people to work because the people aren't going to take the jobs uh, at, at the wages that are offered because the state isn't raising uh, reimbursement rates well enough. Yeah. So you're going to see some side effects like that. But there's upward pressure on on uh, on compensation almost across the board right now. We're yeah. seeing it in my business. Yeah, certainly we need to be praying for the financial stewardship and the direction of the decision makers in our country to help us walk through. You know, it is, I, I'm just going to say, it, the the Biden budget, as proposed, is both irresponsible mm. and offensive. When you propose a $1.8 trillion deficit, that's just plain irresponsible. And I don't care which side of the aisle you're on, right. it's really tough to support that. Yeah, that's that's objectively difficult, whether you're a Republican yes. or Democrat. Yes, $1.8 trillion is. is a lot. Well, one more quick comment before I let you run here, Bill. And a listener wrote in in response to what you're saying about potentially reevaluating their their vocation moving forward. Good morning, Tom writes. You mentioned people taking a new direction. I'm one of those people. Hey, While hey. I was on unemployment this past year, I have taken courses to become a licensed pastor. There you go. Good Bill. For Love him. the advice. Good Love for it. him. Yeah, if nothing else, take the time to equip ourselves. Even if we don't become licensed ministers, there's so many great online courses yes. that you can take these days to really equip and, ourselves and as believers. And of course, the college here has, uh, has of a course ton we of do. education. For sure we do. It's so, great stuff. Well, so yeah. fun to see you this morning, hey, Bill. Thanks for the you. ways you talk about all these different things <laughs> and, and just you know, how we can help steward stuff. Just may all your fudge be with you. I, there are even more <laughs> texts coming in telling me that I am wrong. I'm going to have to do a reckoning during Breakpoint here coming up, and maybe I'll reveal my new position at the bottom of the hour news. Oh, this Willy Wonka music this morning, and as we're practicing, as I've said, intellectual humility, the listeners keep flooding in and are perhaps requiring me to change my mind. I'm not there yet. I'm willing to stand strong in my position for just a little bit, but I think I might have to change my mind between now and the end of the show and give Fudge yet another chance since it is National Fudge Day. Well, up next, we'll be talking with author Robert Wolgamuth about his book, Gun Lap, Staying in the Race with Purpose. Should be a pretty interesting invitation for us that are in our last season seasons of life to think about how we can finish this race well. This is Max Licato. I recently met a 10-year-old boy by the name of Joshua. His mother explained that Joshua's father was no longer a part of the boy's life. I squatted down eye level with Joshua and I asked, do you know the story of your namesake? He nodded. You will do what he did, I admonished. You will bring down Jericho's walls and pray prayers of great faith. He wasn't quite sure how to respond, but his mom, she was wiping away tears. Strugglers don't need our opinions. They don't need our philosophies on suffering. They need someone to admonish them with truth. Spread words of hope. Pray prayers of faith. The Bible says that prayers offered in faith will restore them from sickness and bring them to health. This is Max Locato, and this is how happiness happens. Well, go ahead and get those thumbs ready and your phones ready this morning because we do have an author coming into the program now, and we have a bunch of copies of the book to give away. It's called Gun Lap. It's written by author Robert Wolgamuth, and it is Staying in the Race with Purpose. It's talking a bit about what it means to, to have a last season of life in which we continue to run this race with purpose. And Robert joins us now, but you can text BOOK to studio at 877 933 
2484 and you'll be entered into a drawing where we'll give a few copies of this book away again you can text book to the studio at 877-933-2484 very important topic to talk about these last seasons of life and staying in the race good morning robert Hi, Peter. How are you this morning? Well, doing well uh, this morning, Robert. And I think your book is really important uh, for so many people that are kind of entering into a, a last season of life, especially in a country that tends to devalue us the older that we get and says, you know, your time has passed. It's time for the next generation. That That's very upside down thinking compared to a global perspective. What do you see in this? And is that part of what helped you, you know, prompt oh. to be write this book? Yeah, exactly. People say, like, what inspired you to write this book? And I said, well, I was getting old. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. And so I what what I did is I wrote a book to myself, for myself, as well as other men my age or the women who love them, who would give them this book. And it's been incredible, incredible encouragement. The book's been out two weeks. And just the things that I've heard from folks, men and women who are saying, you know what, we thought like it's it's over. It's it's done. You know, our productivity is something in the past. And that's just not true. So the idea of the book is to be an encouragement. Um, not just to look, you know, at, at dying, but to say, how can I live? How can I take these years of my life and make them more productive, maybe even than the years that were leading up to them? Yeah, I think that's so important. I want to dig into that a little bit more about just the, the mechanics of that from a daily life standpoint. But tell us a bit about what the, the title of the book itself means. I was intrigued. It's called Gunlap. Where did yeah. you take this metaphor from? Well, Gunlap is actually used uh, as a track uh, expression. So, like, if you're running a two-mile race around a quarter-mile track, you go around eight times. When the race starts, the starter fires the pistol, and all the folks start running. When the lead runner begins his or her final lap, that's called the gun lap, and the starter fires the pistol again. So, I was first exposed to this when I was a senior in college and was asked to help officiate our conference track meet, and uh, I knew the guy, the young man. Then a sophomore who knocked 11 seconds, 11 seconds off the track record or the the conference record. And he ran his gun lap like he was sprinting at the very beginning. It was incredible. So, in fact, I got a chance to talk to him. His name is Ralph Foote. Great name for a runner. Huh? <laughs> it is. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, just tell him how inspiring that was. And, I mean, this is 55 years later, and I'm still – thrilled with what I saw that day with this young man who was ready to, to uh, not only run the whole race, but the final lap so well. So that's, that's the big idea. This is The race is not over. We're probably in our last lap, but there's a lot of good that we can do, a lot of purpose that we can have in running this last lap. Yeah, and those statements, Robert, they fly in the face of sort of this illusion that is retirement, that all things will be happy if we can get to retirement. Uh, we've been talking this morning about it being National Fudge Day, and fudge is one of those things that looks great from the outside, but when <laughs> but when you eat it, you instantly regret it. And, and retirement functions this way too, right, in the sense it all sounds great, but you get into it and you think, oh boy, maybe this wasn't all it cracked up to be. Yeah, and, and honestly, and this is going to sound critical, I don't mean it quite as critical as it may sound, but there are guys my age and their wives who are, um, they're done. They're, they've got a, an RV and they're pulling a Jeep around the country, or they're at some retirement village and they're playing shuffleboard or square dancing, and there's so much that they could do with these uh, these years, this season in their life. And so that's really, it's an encouragement to not just, uh, hang them up, but to keep going. And so I talk about this extra time. I talk about ministering to your neighbors. I talk about uh, a, a renewed relationship with your wife, 
that came from a conversation with the guy who went to a, one of those marriage retreats and the, and the leader said, all right, now face your spouse and hold her hands and tell her you love her. So he did that. And then his wife looked at him and said, I don't love you. Hmm. And so some guys would just walk away, go to, go to the lawyer and take care of it. But he resolved to, uh, to fix his marriage. And what he did is he sat down with an older Christian gentleman, a friend, who mentored him back into a great relationship with his wife. So it's those kinds of things that are, are an encouragement to, to a man. I talk about physical stuff, you know. I just, I just finished 15 months with two different cancers and COVID twice. I mean, it's it's hilarious if it wouldn't be so tragic. But the Lord has taught me a whole bunch about these these years that I have left, Lord willing, and how to make them as productive as possible. So it's been a huge encouragement to me. Imagine that you're you're being encouraged by your own book, but then the the men who have reached out and said this is this is exactly what I needed. So what what a joy to to be able to have guys say that about this book. Yeah, I think it's a terribly relevant topic, Robert. Again, if you're listening this morning, you can text the studio, the word book at 877-933-2484. We're talking with author Robert Wagelmuth about his book, A Gun Lap Stain in the Race with Purpose. And I'm curious for people that uh, are walking into some of these retirement years and and uh, in the upside down way in which we value people in, in our country, that it, it should be in these later seasons of life that more and more purpose comes to the table. But it's often less that uh, less than that for people. What are some first steps, Robert? I think about my own father when he was in his early 60s. He said, you know, God, I, I have maybe one more season of my life and I don't want to retire. I, I want to refire. What do you have for me? Is there sort of, is sort of an early step where you just open your heart and say, hey, whatever it is, do I need to fix my marriage? Do I need to do X, Y, Z? Yeah. Just being wide open seems like a first step here. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I talk about the fact that I lost my first wife in uh, 2014 and she was an early morning hang out in the words, study the Bible. Mm-hmm. She was amazing. And I've I've been writing books for twenty five years and and yet I really was lazy about my mornings. And mm-hmm. when when Bobby died, I thought to myself, How foolish of me to be so lazy in spite of the fact that I teach, that I uh, have written books. I was just I was letting Bobby do my early morning study for me and how stupid of that mm-hmm. of me to do that. So since she died, that was in October of 14, I've done everything I can to be faithful every morning, an hour in the Word, uh, on my knees. It has changed my life. How crazy at my age that the renewal of this commitment to the Lord and to the, this early morning time could be so precious, and it really has been. So what I would say to, to men is to, to start there. Um, Nancy, my wife, talks about her daddy and how he spent his first year of every day, in the Word, on his knees, I need that. I mean, okay, so I'm a professional Christian. So what? I still need that time one-on-one with the Lord, and that's been a precious thing that I've renewed during these years, during this season of my life. I think that it's such an incredible invitation because I think often we got caught up in the idea that we need to do something big for God, whatever season of life we're in. And, and the metrics of big sometimes are not consistent with the metrics of the kingdom. And, and God simply invited you into a renewal of early morning time with him. And, and any number of prayers can be prayed that will lead us to any number of those kinds of things, big and small, quiet and loud, whatever it might be. But it seems like the invitation is simply to say, yeah. So, hey, Robert, we'll take a short break. When we come back, I want to get into some more of how we maybe need to walk this out or how we can walk it out after that initial yes. Again, if you're listening this morning, 
888-242-2484. Text the word book to that phone number. You'll get in a drawing for this book called Gun Lap, Staying in the Race with Purpose. Stay with us. More to come with author Robert Wogelmuth. Eleven minutes before the top of the hour, we are talking about the book Gunlap, Staying in the Race with Purpose. Robert Wolgamuth is joining us, who wrote this book. Such an important book to think about finishing this race well. And Robert, this really has a lot of biblical underpinnings to it. I think about the prayer of Paul when he, uh, when at the end of his life, and he is talking to God and, and, and writing this, this word to Timothy, that he stayed in the race for the long haul, that he has finished the race, he has fought the fight. And in these last seasons of life, we're really setting ourselves up for that sort of final um, reminiscence of our life. I mean, who doesn't want to end their life by saying, I have finished the race, I have fought the fight, I'm being poured out, but, but this was a good thing. And this is really the invitation you're helping people in last seasons of life to be thinking about, how do I not just sort of fade away, but how do I stay in, engaged in the life of the kingdom? Yeah, that's so true. That's perfectly said. And the Apostle Paul was right. The, the truth is that at our age, at my age, I'm 73, uh, my, my body doesn't do what it used to do. In fact, the, the Apostle also said in Second Corinthians 4, our bodies are wasting away. <laughs> <laughs> so I wrote amen in my, in my uh, Bible, but then, then he says, but our, but, but our inner selves are being renewed day by day. I mean, what else do you need to know? Yeah. That, that our outer selves, that's right. That's right. I stand and look in the mirror, and I say to myself, "I look like I look like my dad. <laughs> I don't look like myself." But um, but the, the scripture, the apostle Paul encourages us to renew our inner selves. That's the part you can't see, but the part that really leads to all the decisions you make. So this is this is a I can't I can't tell you how excited I am about these years of my life, and how grateful I am for what the Lord has brought me through. Uh, lessons that I've learned from failure and maybe some victories in there as well. But, uh, you know, he, he has been so faithful. And th- these these are precious years. I'm telling you, Peter, I I cannot believe how thrilled I am to be 73 years old and the, the opportunity to encourage other men, maybe a little bit younger than me, maybe older than me. We talked about Raleigh Washington a moment ago. He's in his 80s, yeah. and he's going full speed. That's, that's who I want to be 10 years from now. So. I'm grateful for this chance to encourage men my age in the, in this season of their lives. Yeah, it, it is really a compelling witness, especially in light of how we've been talking to you and I a little bit this morning, that it's it's a bit of an upside-down way of thinking to say that we can be getting stronger, at least from an inner person standpoint, throughout the course of our life and have even more to give, more to share, even if we have physical limitations in the midst of that. Because those are challenging, are they not? In terms of, try, you, you have a chapter in this book, In Shape for This Race, Chapter 6, just some practical ideas about some of the physical limitations, how we can kind of walk in those. But But if we get... Um, overcome by just always thinking about our physical limitations, that can limit us from the work of the kingdom in some ways too, however understandable it is, right? When when stuff is difficult physically, it's difficult spiritually. How do you help people through some of that conversation? Well, you encourage them and you, and you, and you say the Lord has not abandoned you. You know, you, you read the scripture and you find stories of Moses and Elijah uh, and Caleb, goodness, he was 85 years old. (laughs) <laughs> and the Lord gave him an assignment at 85 years old. One of the things I talk about is self-conversation. Uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, the great Welsh preacher, talked about don't listen to yourself, speak to yourself. And 
you know, at my age, I get up a couple times in the night and other men listening uh, to this conversation understand that you can't sleep the whole night. You've got to get up and go to the bathroom. <laughs> I hate to be so graphic. Yeah, no, understood. Crawl back in bed and you can't go back to sleep. Mm. And so I, found, I have found myself being very critical of myself during those wakeful moments. And, and so I talked to a, a pastor friend of mine who lived, grew up in a home that was filled with grace. I knew his parents. And, and I said, doesn't I mean, don't you just find yourself critical of yourself during those dark hours? He said, no. He said, you know, my parents taught me God's grace. And I thank the Lord for the previous day. And I ask forgiveness for things that I did that were stupid or foolish or sinful. And I ask him to fill me with his spirit for the next day. I mean, it was like, wow, okay, I'm going to start doing that. So <clears throat> this, this whole thing about feeling stupid, uh, we talk about technology. And there's just, at my age, there's nothing worse. In fact, I found myself calling out saying, I need a seven-year-old right now to help me with this. <laughs> right? Absolutely. And it, you know, and it, and it feels like we're, it's passing us by. Even younger people, the, the, it, technology changes and moves so quickly. And you can feel overwhelmed. It's like car trouble. You know, I feel like I'm standing on the shoulder waiting for some tow truck to come help me out. So all these kinds of things. So I, I encourage men to, to embrace it and to find a younger person, a young man, <clears throat> who can be on call to help when stuff happens, because it will happen with technology. So all those things, it's really a spirit. It's an attitude. It's saying, you know what? I'm going to embrace these years. I'm not going to fight it. And I'm going to look forward to maybe some new things that the Lord has for me during this season. Yeah, so helpful. The texts are coming in fast and furious, Robert. I think you've hit uh, a nerve with some people, understandably. So again, you can text to book 877-933-2484 to the studio. Text that word book here to us, and you'll be in a Drawing for a copy of Gunlap, we're talking about the last season of life. Robert, we just have about a minute left or so here. Is there something about this, too, that, that is a generational perspective that we might sow some seeds in these last seasons of life that we don't get a chance to see the harvest of them, but we really are thinking in generational terms as we, as we walk this out and follow God's lead in these last seasons? Yeah, yes, absolutely. I talk about uh, Titus 2, um, the Apostle Paul's admonition to Titus about what he should do when he gets older. And I would encourage uh, guys who are listening to turn to Titus 2. I mean, he, he's very specific. Also, uh, Galatians 5.22, what a great opportunity to exercise the fruits of the Spirit. During this time, and I would, I would encourage patience, don't get too impatient with yourself. Uh, give yourself grace. It's, it's going to change. You're not going to be able to do what you were, used to be able to do physically. But, you, you know, take time. Uh, uh, in church, after church, standing in the, in the aisle, uh, encourage guys. Um, during the, they're listening to you. They're watching you. They're seeing how faithful you are, and, and it gives them something to look forward to. Stop and talk to your neighbors. Back in the day when I was busy and working hard, I just drove right past my neighbors, you know, mm-hmm. mowing their yard or whatever. Now I stop. Get out of my car and go talk to them and encourage them and thank them for being my neighbor and that kind of stuff. It is, it's so easy and, and such a good thing. It, it feeds your soul. So I want to encourage guys who are getting into this season and their wives to get this book. Maybe Father's Day would be a good time to, to give them this book and, and encourage them during these, these uh, years, these years, regardless of how many you have, 
Use them for God's glory. You mm. can live live them with purpose. It, it's going to be a great season for you, I promise. No, oh, Robert, so helpful. Thanks so much for all the wisdom and insight and stepping into this book as well. I think it's going to be a help to a great many people and utter delight to talk with you this morning. Have a great rest of the morning. Thank you, Peter. Blessings to you. One more time, text the word book to studio 877-933-2484, and we'll wrap up the show next for the 16th of June. Sure love that last conversation. As Robert was talking to us about these last seasons of life, I thought I think about the great privilege that I had to walk alongside of somebody who mostly actually walked alongside of me as a young man. He was in his 90s. We were part of the same organization. He had lived out a lifetime of following Jesus in this world. And in those last years, as his body was, um, was being ravaged by leukemia and some really difficult physical infirmities, he continued to drag himself up those stairs. Day in and day out in the organization where we were, he learned how to email, which was a new technology at that time, and he continued to try to shine God's light until every last drop was squeezed out. And that bore witness uh, to the next generations. He, in his last couple of days, spent some time with my wife, Hallie, and I, and as we walked out of the door of the apartment for the last time, he called out after us, keep shining. And those words echo in my heart and in my mind. And for those of us in our last seasons of life, uh, this is a generational play. Keep walking it out. Keep standing in this faith. You have no idea how God can multiply what it is that he brings to you in this season for the seasons to come. Delightful to be with all of you this morning. So fun to have so many different conversations. We will get up tomorrow morning again and do this over yet again as we fix our eyes upon Jesus. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.